0: This is a journey into sound. I know what you Pico,
1: heavy metal weirdos do.
2: You are locked into MSRcast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned.
1: Lock the Mainstream.
0: This is James Rivera. I'm going back to old school. MSR cast. Oh, come on. Yes, we've been around for a long time, and we're not going away. This is James Rivera from Hellstar. Support your local scene.
2: Hey,
1: this is World Ain from Sanctuary. You're listening to MSR rock out with your fucking geek out.
3: Welcome, my friends, to episode 158 of the MSR Cast Metal Podcast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance and MetalInjection.net. Oh, and MetalGeeks.net. I am Carrie G., formerly known as Evil C., and with me is my co host,
4: Sean. I am also known as the Metal Pigeon.
3: AKA the Metal Pigeon? Yes. We're going to get a Metal Pigeon sound tonight?
4: No. Damn it.
3: And along with um, both of us this evening, we have one of my co-hosts from the Metal Geeks podcast. It's Dave. Hey, Armour. it's Dave. Hey, Dave. And I said you, I said your last name correctly.
2: Yeah, thank you. You're welcome.
3: <laughs> cool. So, um, welcome to the show, man.
2: Thank you. I don't think it's been a it's been a long time coming. Yeah, <laughs> I <was> yeah. Like, <laughs> I was
3: about to say you've never actually been on MSRcast. No, how, I haven't. And how long have we known each other?
2: A couple of years now.
3: Yeah. Yeah, That's crazy, man. So, as you listened to the last episode, we sort of changed our formats around. Thank you to Sean over here for bringing that um, new format to my attention. Uh, we've been doing this... I've been doing this show for almost 10 years now. It's coming up about 10 years right now. And it was time for a change, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was always... We either do... An interview episode, which we're still going to continue to do interview episodes, but then when we do our music episode, it was, okay, we're going to talk a little bit, and we're going to play like three songs. Talk a little bit, three songs, and it was, it was getting a little overkill. Not, not the band overkill, because I love the new Overkill album, but <laughs> it was just getting a little bit too much, so we decided we're going to talk a little bit more now. I'm sorry if you uh, get it, don't like that, but it's, it's true.
4: There's a lot to talk about. I mean, so much about metal is is not just music and not just what the music actually is. It's about how you internalize the music and what 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 yeah. you're getting out of it. What role does it play in your life and 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 what role does it play in, in your emotional state? You know, right? And so, and, and, and also, what is pissing you off about metal? New <laughs> in the news. Yeah, that we have to get off our chest cuz things bother me.
3: First of all, <laughs> let's ask Dave since he's our guest. What is pissing you off right now in metal news?
4: What's pissing me off right now?
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I'm i have been off in my own little world. I'm not I I go back and forth where like I'm like really into everything that's going on. Yeah. I'm checking up on everybody what they're doing and then I just kind of like tune out for
1: a while. Yeah.
2: I'm I'm on that swing right now. Um I I've you know I've seen a couple of stories here and there, but I'm not I'm admittedly not up on the latest of the of what's going on. So I'm sure we're gonna find something that pisses me off though. And when we do, <laughs> we're gonna get there, when, man. We do, when we do, I'll be sure to let you know.
4: <laughs> what's pissing you off, Sean? Uh, it's not exactly pissing me off, but it does. Um, what's grinding your gears? The thing that I I just published a story about it today. Where uh, on the metalpigeon.com? Uh, it is the. <laughs> The Jesper Strombald, about a week or two ago, ex guitarist of In Flames. He, okay, let me pause you real quick. Every time
3: you we, you say Strombald, I really want some Italian food, like the Stromboli. You
4: know, I first of all, I think it's Stromblad, but Bad. it's easier for me to say yeah. Strombald, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, we'll Americanize it. Yeah. It's okay. So he, uh, you know, he's always been. He was. Just to put it in perspective, he was the the main force behind In Flames during right. the classic period. Like, the, everyone everyone knows that he was the main songwriter. He was the guy. This was his band. And he left in 2010. And has the it been re- that long? Yeah. And the reason they stated that he left, and it was In Flames that released a statement, they said that it was due to his alcoholism. Right. I remember that. And so I think a lot of us, you know, I mean, I... A lot of us just sort of took that as at face value. It's just to say, okay, that makes sense. He's been on the road a lot. He's a rock and roller. He's drinking. He probably now uh, with all this
3: information coming to light, he probably wasn't happy with that statement they made about him either.
4: Well, yeah.
3: it could have been. You know, I'm sure some of it might have had something to do with. I don't know the guy. Yeah, personally, like that. But
4: you know, so he a couple like about a, I think it was last week or, or maybe two weeks ago. He asked his fans to submit questions. You know, like, hey, anything you want to ask me, sort of like a Reddit M- right. AMA. Yeah, AMA. And they Ask Middle the, the no ma- Anything. The majority of the questions were about why'd you leave why'd you really leave in flames. Yeah. And he said, Okay, since so many of the questions are about that one topic, <laughs> here's a big answer for everyone. And he said that alcoholism actually had a small part in the reason why he left. And then he said, you know, people ask me what I think of their new direction and and he said, listen to my band, The Resistance, and that's what I think of their new direction. The Resistance is very much ceremonial oath influenced, yeah. like slightly melodic death metal. You know, it's like very much old school stuff. Um, and so to me, like that, that because I was always disappointed in Jesper for kind of going along with the, the, the post-2002 Inflame style, the Reroute to Remain onward style. And I was always sort of like, whenever I'd hear great solos pop up in some of their newer albums like Come Clarity or, or you know, just little moments here or there, i go, oh, that's Jesper sneaking through the, the Anders Frieden bullshit, you know, where it's just like all these vocal melody laden songs and then like the riffs were having to take a backseat, the guitarist took a backseat, all the things that we loved about In Flames in their gl- glory days. Okay,
3: let me ask you a question. Let me stop you here. Those albums like Come Clarity, those late 2000 albums, what, what was he writing on them?
4: What was he, you mean as far as songwriting? Right. I mean,
3: was he, was it, was it that point in the band where, okay, he wasn't writing majority of the songs and he wasn't happy already?
4: Well, no, I, th- I think what was happening, and what I, what I'm trying, what I actually try to argue in my article is that uh, around 2002, there was a power shift in the band that started to happen quietly. And there was even some interviews around that time I remember reading where, like, they had mentioned not getting along with Anders Frieden, like, that well personally. Yeah. And I think what happened was that he started to lose control of the creative direction of the band, and Anders started to rise in prominence. And that's where he stopped to, you know, all of a sudden, like from from the just from Lunar strain to jester race to Clayman, all of the songs were directed by the guitar melody, and everything was built around that. Mm-hmm. And the difference between like that's old in flames and then the new in flames is like two thousand and two onwards. Where everything is centered around the vocal melody. And that's Anders Frieden rising in prominence in terms of what goes on in the band and the say so of the band. And he directed the image change of the band and and a lot of things that went along with it. And so I, my my suspicion is that he got edged out and that is what contributed to him ultimately deciding to leave.
3: Yeah, I'm looking at their their wiki page right now and I'm looking at okay, the la- the last good album, the so Reroute to Remain, it had cloud connected and Trigger and a couple songs, which which
4: I still like. It's a transition album, I think.
3: Yeah, but, okay, so after that was Soundtrack to Your Escape. I don't even remember that album.
4: With good reason.
3: <laughs> what, the Quiet Place, I see. That sound, yeah. Wow.
4: And Come Com Clarity had some moments of work where I thought, like, oh, they're sort of bringing some of the, right? the old melodicism okay. back in certain spurts, but it was still largely a very vocal melody driven album and the thing with when i say when i'm criticizing vocal melody driven inflames i'm criticizing the the simplistic nature of the songwriting compared to the older inflamed stuff i'm not trying to be like a sourpuss and say that it's all bad there's still good tracks on those albums but the quality started to degrade and ultimately what you have arrived at is their new album
3: but anders has never been a, a perfect vocalist so to say his melodies are ne- have never been really, really strong. Yeah. And,
4: and and as a result, those songs are those those songs that are guided by his vocals are very simplistic.
3: And that's what they are now. The, the, it's music guided by vocals. Because I yeah. tried listening to the new album on Spotify. It's uh,
4: it's not metal. It's I, not I, I don't I would at say all. at never. that
2: point if it becomes entirely vocal driven, do we just have pop music then? Well I
4: mean, it the, is sort of pop the, the, music. The new album is basically like it's it's very much the definition of alternative rock. It's not a metal album at all. In fact, I think there's maybe a couple times where he goes into his old screaming vocals, but they're just used as a slight accent. Yeah, I heard that. It's all Queen singing from a guy who can't sing.
3: Yeah, I and mean, that's you know, okay, these guys are touring with Opus, and that's a different different beast in, in, in its entirety because Ackerfeld can sing his fucking brains out.
4: You know, yeah, we always knew he could sing. And he has screamed.
3: that, yeah. the melody just in him,
4: but. I think we're a little more forgiving of Opeth in the sense that they released Damnation in 2002, 2003, okay, whatever, yeah. and then they went back into metal. And now they're they're out of metal, obviously, now, but they still sound like Opeth. In Flames, on Siren Charms, the new album, doesn't sound like In Flames.
3: No. They should have just changed the band name at this point. The,
4: yeah, it should have been done two albums ago, basically.
3: Featuring members, formerly former well, members of In, in Flames, me, whatever. When,
4: when Jesper Strongball left the band, they should have changed the name, because he was the only... Remaining original. And what was the last album he played on? Uh, it was a sense of purpose in two thousand eight.
3: Okay. Yeah. So he hasn't been on the album on the band for two and albums. Just, then. It's just
4: disappointing. Like that's a band that I grew up with. Like they were such a huge impact and influence on me in terms of like opening the gates wider for extreme metal. And then to see what they've sort of devolved into, like I, I don't have any hope for the band anymore. But to hear him come out and say the you know, what he said to me is like I I have my faith renewed in him now because right. I feel like I'm really excited for the new resistance album now and he said he's doing a solo album and I'm super excited for that. In fact when I met him in uh I met him uh outside of Fitzgerald's in two thousand three and I said to him, I was like, you know, have you ever considered doing like a instrumental, like guitar album like like half electric, half acoustic? And he <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, uh He's like, who would be interested in that? You? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it'd be great. He's like, I, don't, I don't know about that. And, and now I'm thinking, like, I wonder if that upcoming solo album will be an like instrumental album. Like, if he's going, if he feels like the only way to go back to that classic in flames era sound is just to do it himself, basically. Like, I could,
3: I could be done with that.
4: Yeah, I, I would love it. No okay. one, no, no one could do acoustic drop ins like that guy. Like, where all of a sudden everything would just stop. And you'd have some beautiful Scandinavian acoustic guitar come in.
3: It would be, be nothing for him to do another inflame, or, or old-school Inflame-style album with a new vocalist. Because, yeah. I mean, it's not unprecedented for a band to continue on with a new vocalist.
4: Yeah. I, I don't think he could do it with the resistance. I don't think that Marco uh, is the kind of vocalist that... Uh, now, who's in that band? Um, Marco, uh, I guess, Arco? Marco Arco? From The Haunted?
3: Was it he was like the he was like on the like the third album
4: or something? Yeah, something like that. He's the vocalist. And I
3: remember the the Resistance had album maybe like two thousand six ish.
4: Far back? No, I think that was like a demo. But the two thousand eleven is when they actually released the album two thousand eleven. Yeah.
3: Okay. Wow, I don't know if that was that that recent. I
4: don't. I don't think that. um, I don't know if they're actually still doing a new album or what, but. I'm 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 aware that it's still in that like these ongoing main band.
3: Now so. Jesper's been in 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 my head for a long time ever since I did the first that, that Hammerfall interview a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I know we, when we talked about yeah a lot we of yeah we did we talked but, about a lot of him in the last episode because you know talking about you went back and talked about ceremonial O's yeah and he was one of the founding members of that band and he wrote and played a lot of the music for the first Hammerfall album yeah. or wrote most of the some of the music. And it had that style to it, even though it was power metal. But yeah, it
4: had those mellow death guitars too. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, segueing over to our next topic, which is bands that can and do put out new albums all the time with different vocalists. Let's talk about Bloodbath. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I, when I—I I mean, did you do you like this song?
3: I, okay. So, the song, they, they've released one song already called Unite in Pain. Um, let's let everybody know about it before. Um, I guess this is going to be the fourth album coming out from Bloodbath soon. Yeah, it comes no. out in November. Um, and it's been like a year before they've like actually, okay, they've been teasing who it's going to be, who the new vocalist is going to be. And a lot of people are online were like, oh, it's going to be Paul Kerr from November's Doom. And, you know, who is like, oh, well, I don't know. I can't say if it's me or not. He would have been a much better choice than who they have now. Hmm. So let me preface by saying that I am a huge fan of Paradise Lost. Right, we talked yeah. about this last episode. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go in this w- in w- go into this with an open mind because I love Bloodbath. They're one of my favorite, you know, death metal bands that's ever been out. Is this outnumbering the day? Is one of m- it's one of my top five tracks ever from any band, and I love Paradise Lost, but. He's not the best gruff growler.
2: That's a weird crossover.
3: It, it is. It's
2: it's it's strange. You know, and I mean they've had <clears> Outcrafted <throat> and uh fucking I'm Peter Tagdrin Peter, Peter Tagdrin. I was going blank on his last name, you know, and obviously those guys can do some death metal, you know. And so th- that was kind of a weird choice and it's like every time Bloodbath is like, "Okay, and now we're losing this vocalist." It's like, "Ah, oh, but Come on. And then they go, but now we have this guy. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, can you imagine? Well, that's cool then.
3: Ackerfeld's not going to do it anymore. He doesn't no. want to do anything really heavy. True. And he said that during like the bloodbath over Bloodstock DVD. He, mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this is it. This is my my swan song. And basically you could tell. And he was belting him out there. But I don't know, dude. Um, I listened to the track. And it didn't. I, I didn't like his vocals the first time I heard it. It's taking me to the third and fourth listen to be like, okay. So I, he, now can, that
2: you're now that you're at that point, yeah. What do you think when when you're when there's more to hear that you'll yeah. be ready for it then? That have you digested the the voice change to this point that once there's more of it you can kind I of think step
3: right into it? This is this track was sort of the appetizer yeah. to whet your appetite and now I'm ready for like the full men the full course menu, you know, the five mm-hmm. course in whatever dessert's gonna be. Which is Hopefully a tour, but...
2: Well, and it it's gonna be good, because it's Bloodbath. It is. So...
3: I mean, it it has yeah. that raw, you know, Swedish I love that they were like, to it like, I love already. that they were like,
2: hey, it was like almost started as like a joke. It was like, hey, you remember when death metal bands sounded like this? And it's like, oh yeah, we do remember that. The song, that was awesome.
4: The song More starts of
3: off with a fucking solo. Yeah. It's like, hey, here's a song. One, two, three... You're
4: like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. I, I like his vocals. I was surprised because when when, when when you told me on the last episode, that was the first time I had heard it would be um, Mr. Paradise Lost, and I thought, that's not going to work. <laughs>
3: Is that his professional
4: name? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on his business card. <laughs> uh, but he, he, you know, maybe it was the fact that I was listening to the song and I was looking at the promo picture at the same yeah. time, and he's dressed up in that kind of weird hood thing. He looks like a necromancer. Right. And when I was listening to the song, I was looking at that picture, and it started to make me think like it was an old necromancer singing the song to me or barking the song out to me. And I was like, yeah, I can get into this. I like it. Do you still think his vocals fit the band? Somehow, in a weird way, it's sort of like Attila with uh, Mayhem. It's yeah. somehow, it's like oil and water, but it works somehow, <laughs> you know? So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm surprised, pleasantly so surprised. Let's, let's, let's
3: take this opportunity and let the audience listen to it. If you haven't heard the new uh, Bloodbath track... This song is called Unite in Pain, and it's from the forthcoming album that comes out in November, and they will actually be performing live in America at Maryland Death Fest next year, so if you're anywhere near there, this, or this, this could be the reason to go.
4: No tour announced so far. Not
3: yet, but they won't come to Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> come on. We can't be that lucky. So anyways, let's uh, get into the new Bloodbath, and hopefully they will unite us all in pain.
4: listening to bloodbath unite in pain
3: we were listening to we're not anymore
4: yeah that's right
3: because <laughs> the song's <laughs> over now so yeah let let everybody I like make, it uh, it's it's grown on me uh let's let everybody you know make you know their own opinion about the song and that's I mean it's it, he's not exactly who I would have imagined for the band let's just put it that way but I'm going to listen to the album with an open mind and hopefully be pleasantly surprised I don't know I, th-
4: I think most people are, are going to be just relieved that they're back you know I think with Ackerfeld anyone who was hoping for Ackerfeld to, to stick with it the writing was on the wall when, he, when they didn't do any songs on that tour together a couple of years yeah, ago yeah we that talked was. about that last episode mm-hmm. too
3: it was so disappointing yeah because it was right there <laughs> it was right there dude just have them come out together and fucking play a Bloodbath song uh, come on
4: but nope that was that was him being precious about that new album at that time, you know.
3: So the new album is called Grand Morbid Funeral. Comes out November seventeenth on Peaceville Record, which is great. Uh, Peaceville, the fucking great old school record label, still yeah. doing it strong, man.
4: So yeah, not very, not too far away from the the actual release of the album. Man, Peaceville just put out this amazing looking Dark Throne box set. Really? Yeah, I, I was looking at it, and I was so tempted to, to point down whatever it was. It was expensive.
3: Yeah, I can imagine. I still, that Peaceville, um, like, they did this anniversary CD. It's, like, a different bands covered a bunch of different other bands. Uh-huh. I still listen to that album yeah. a lot. <laughs> and not all of it's good, but it's, you know, it's where the Unassima, um, um Better Off Dead came from originally, yeah. and... There's a bunch of great stuff. My Dying Bride's on there.
4: Metal cover albums are always worth checking out in general. Like the one of the most important metal albums of the '90s mm-hmm. for us, like for American power metal fans or just metal fans in general, was that uh, metal tribute to ABBA because it introduced <laughs> us to so many bands. It was like because before these bands had re- at records released,
3: yeah, okay. that album
4: was released in the states. Like they're like. They had um, Advance on there. Right. There were no Advance albums in the United States. And
3: Advance has done so many ABBA covers in their career. Yeah,
4: and, and that, that was the first time I had, I had ever heard of Oliver Hartman, and I was just like, man, who are yeah. these guys? And, and That was such an important album, at least for me, you know, like back then. So, Cover yeah, albums are I, Are awesome. you a,
3: a closet ABBA fan?
4: I love ABBA. I'm not in the closet about it at all. Okay. I love everything about ABBA.
3: You know they were named after ABBAs?
4: Abbas? Yeah, Abbas. <laughs> Are you what? <laughs> For a second there I thought you meant Abbas from Immortal. Yeah, I born. did. That's what
3: I'm talking about. That they they were named after him.
4: Oh. That's it's interesting. a little known fact.
3: I can't even tell you with a straight face. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, I posted a meme earlier, um, it was the you know him on Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> no. Or have you seen the one where he's just in a bathtub and is taking a bass? Yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. Moving on from horrible Abbas means. <laughs> um, so have you heard – you heard a little bit of the new Sanctuary album.
4: Yeah, Let's I've talk heard. about that. Yeah, I've heard like, what I guess, three songs now. So
3: two episodes ago, I released an interview with uh Dane and Larry, who sort of jumped in a little bit at the beginning of the uh, episode. But, um, yeah, so a new sanctuary album is come out called the year the sun died and and, I do not say this in any negative impact at all, but it's the nevermore album that we've been waiting for,
4: yeah, well, it definitely sounds like a nevermore album it
3: that's just where. This is
4: where they are, you know. I, I don't know if it's going to be up to the quality of like some of the greater Nevermore albums. No, probably it, not. It just sounds so much like Nevermore to a point where it makes me sort of disappointed in a way because I'm like, I expected Sanctuary, you know. Well, there's that's a the there's thing. a huge difference in that sound. You well, know? yeah.
3: I mean, the last Sanctuary album came out in nineteen with a
4: 1990, 91. Yeah, 1990.
3: It's, I it's, think. Yeah, that's. Twenty five years ago, man, bands change.
4: No, I, no, and I know that you know two decades of doing Nevermore is gonna. That's gonna yeah. seep into it the way he. But it's like even the production. But
3: he didn't write a lot of the music. It was the guitar player, Larry. I know, but that's that isn't. But
4: isn't that strange? It is. It's cool because right? the guitars sound like, you know, a little bit uh, Jeff Loomisy sort of in parts. I mean, it's not like an exact copy, but. I, I don't know, I just got such a Nevermore vibe. I think it was the is way it, they, they it, mixed his vocals. That might be it. That's certainly yeah. a big part of it. That's yeah. For sure, I think. I didn't even They're think about that, but you're front. right. They're too up front, at least.
3: And he doesn't... People were expecting a really lot of a lot of high-end screams from him, and
4: he just... I don't think he can do that anymore.
3: Doesn't do it. I don't know if he can or not, but he just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, the very first track on the album has a little bit of it, at the very, very, very end, but... And it's not a disappointing album at all. Don't get me wrong; I love the album. There's some really good tracks on there. Like "Frozen" is a really fucking amazing track. Mm. But it's, it, I, I think a lot of people were expecting something completely different. Yeah. I,
2: I, I'll speak for me. I wasn't because I am not that knowledgeable about Sanctuary. Because, uh, like, I only, I only know about them because of Nevermore. Right. Yeah. Like, so, uh, and I didn't. I didn't get into Nevermore until um, like I think Enemies of Reality was already out before I got into Nevermore.
3: Let me let me correct myself real quick. It's not Larry. It's Lenny Rutledge. I was getting Larry, but it's actually Lenny. Okay. Um, yeah. But the-
2: i i came in I came into to Nevermore yeah. late, and even at that, I had I had seen them live maybe four or five times before it clicked for me. Really? Yeah. And and it was weird because. I'd watch them perform and I'd be like this is phenomenal work. Yeah. But I'm not getting it. Like I recognize that there was really great stuff going on there, but that it just wasn't quite meshed together right so in my head. So, what was that
3: moment where it clicked for you?
2: Um I th- it might have been I I don't know that I have a moment, but it certainly happened all of a sudden. And I think it was just sitting down and listening to Dead Heart and a Dead World and Enemies yeah. of Reality like straight through, that I was like, okay, you know, I I get this now and and yeah. uh, you know those are, I think because those are the ones that did it for me. Those remain some of my my favorite Nevermore albums. Was your first uh, Nevermore album Enemies of Reality? I. I no, I think it was Dead Heart in a Dead World. Okay, good. <laughs> but I think Enemies of Reality had already been out.
4: Okay, yeah, cuz that that first mix uh, the, the first release of Enemies of Reality had that Kel- had Kelly Gray producing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have the remastered one. And he one. he just was yeah.
3: a guy from Queen was He it? was the
4: the the troglodyte that replaced Chris DeGarmo <laughs> when he left. Yeah, he was he f- just destroyed that album and well, then it took it took an expensive Remixing yeah. job, yeah. To and, get that's, it. and
2: that's the one that I have. Yeah, that's the, the, the only one, one. one to have. Yeah, and and but once once the click happened, I was like, "This is one of my favorite bands." Now yeah. I loved Nevermore from that point on, and it was like suddenly, once that worked, everything else made sense too. It all but just all clicked. It everything did, and so it was through that that I found out that Sanctuary yeah. was even a thing. But I haven't listened to that much Sanctuary, so I don't have strong opinions about sanctuary i have opinions about
3: nevermore yeah so so I'll, I'll i'll tell you my experience well my first of all my wife is a huge nevermore freak yes and i think i originally probably got you into the band yeah she's she's agreeing um i remember the first time i ever heard i saw i heard about it i was like and this was back in the day when you could go to a record store and go hey it was it was a uh, planet that. music i think it was in in uh Myrland plaza here in houston and i was like hey i heard about this nevermore because i've heard you know a couple of tracks from Sanctuary. i want to hear what the new album's like and i was like i brought it up to the counter i'm like hey i would like to listen to this so they just take it out of the package and let you listen to mm-hmm. it can you imagine that shit nowadays mm-hmm. um and i was just i was like oh yep this is it I, i'm buying this album and i've been a huge nevermore fan ever since this is that was what ninety five when that album came out. Yeah, yeah, because cause the la- the previous Sanctuary album was like eighty nine, was and it wasn't the best album either. I mean, it was okay, but I don't know. But
4: for me, that Nevermore moment was um, was hearing the River Dragon off of uh, Dead Heart. Uh, the the um, I think it was the, yeah the River Dragon yeah. That was such a great song. That's still one of my favorite Jeff Loomis guitar solos is in
2: that
4: song. Well, my favorite Jeff Loomis guitar solo is uh, The Heart Collector, in the middle of The Heart Collector. That is the ultimate Jeff Loomis solo (laughs) right there.
3: I mean, Jeff Loomis is still kicking it around. I mean, he has that band with Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse going on, and who's not going to have a CD release because of some bullshit reason. Yeah. I don't. It's a digital only release, apparently. Huh. And he's done a couple of solo albums recently, so he's he's still going, but and it just it took a long time for the Sanctuary album to actually hit, and I'm I'm definitely not disappointed. It's one of those albums where I can just go back and listen to it over and over and over and over.
4: I guess he had to do something after Nevermore, you know, in, yeah. imploded basically. Yeah, he didn't I didn't take anyone. I with really him. liked his solo album. I did too. I think it's. Phenomenal. Yeah, I, I admitted we had. I did not. I never listened to that one. I just I skipped it right over. I don't know why.
3: We'll just have to take away
4: your middle card. I have no good reason to do that.
3: <laughs> I I even brought that question up to him. I was like, "So solo album next? He's going to do all cover songs and just?"
2: I think he should because I yeah. listen to it because when, when that dude does cover songs. I'm. I love it.
3: I. I love. Yeah. He doesn't just cover a song. He reinterprets yes. it to be his own. Yeah. Because if you told somebody that the sound of silence was the Simon and Garfunkel song, if you played it from Nevermore, they'd be like, no.
2: I've I've done that countless times. Yeah. Where I put that song on, and I'm like, I want to see how long it takes you.
3: It's and the lyrics you have to yeah. listen to. Your lyrics, and you're like, that lyric sounds really. Oh yeah, yeah, and okay. It, that
2: not as much with uh, Lucretia, my reflection, because not nearly as many people know that song, right? But I, I do, I like Sisters of Mercy, um. So I did know that song. I did not. Um, and it, it his cover of it is awesome. I the only it. other metal
4: band that I can remember covering a Sisters of Mercy song was the uh, Cradle of Filth did a cover of No Time to Cry. Yeah. Off there, okay. off the, the Bittersweets yeah. record, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
3: the new album, um, The Year the Sun Died, has a cover song on it. Um, and the first time I heard it, I was listening to the album, and I got to the very end, and I was listening to it, and, was, and all of a sudden the lyrics hit me. I'm like, how the fuck do I know this song? Because it wasn't the same <laughs> song, you know? So we're about to play you that track, which is actually uh, Sanctuary's Version of The Doors Waiting for the Sun so if you know the original track throw that out the window because this is a different song very different it's very cool though so let's get into this and we'll be right back
1: the sun Waiting for the sun
3: Welcome back everyone to episode 158 of MSR Cast Metal Podcast. And we just heard something from the brand new sanctuary sanctuary album. Hard to say that. It's uh The Year the Sun Died. The track we just heard was a cover track from The Doors Waiting for the Sun. Which is cool because the album The Year the Sun Died and now they're waiting for the sun at the very yeah, end. Yeah. I just got that. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's very uh intellectual of them. Wow. All
4: right. Can't wait to hear the, the, the entire album and let it sink in.
3: Yeah. But I even, think I mean, you'll really enjoy it. I yeah. think you will. I,
4: I, I know I'm going like the two songs. I'm not saying they're bad. I just, like, man, there's never more, basically, you know?
3: And like we said, let's preface by saying that's not a bad thing. That's,
4: that's not a bad thing.
3: It's just what it is. But you know who else it just came out with a new album?
4: Uh, Yorn. Yorn Lande.
3: You say that perfectly. <laughs>
4: I love this guy. Uh yeah Him and so, him and Russell Allen, their are uh their ongoing you know uh duets album. It's not really a duets album, it's just sort of like
3: It's like Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga getting together.
4: Yeah, it's well, you know, it's sort of like yeah, in a way. Because they are they are kind of I guess it is duets. Yeah. They I've, are trading back and forth yeah, in the first lines. Yeah. Definitely. Um So they just put a new album out. This one's be- way better than anything I've heard. It really is. Dude. I, I heard a couple of songs uh, on Friday on a radio show. I listened to, and then I, I listened to the album entirely the other yesterday, and I'm I'm loving the new album. It's so good. It's um, they just have good songwriters working for them now. And who
3: do they uh, still on this album? Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Is it? It's not
4: Magnus anymore. Um, it might still be him. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Like their their wiki page says it's Timo Toki that's. I I know that he's doing the guitar work, but I'm not sure if he was actually contributing to the song. It doesn't sound like Timo Tolkien's, uh songwriting style. But there's a couple tracks on there that
3: <clears throat> sort of definitely reminded me of Revolution Renaissance. Yeah, and especially there's one track that the the one track from the first album of. That had um, Keith Kasting in on it, yeah. And I was like, there's a guitar riff on this album that sounds
4: just like it. You, you can hear Tolkien's trademark coming through on you know certain aspects of the songs. What I like about the fact that he's teaming up with these guys is that it keeps his craziness in check, like his musical craziness. <laughs> like he's reined in a little bit, yeah. And he hasn't been reined in a lot on, the, on his own projects. So this is, I don't know, it's a good thing for him. I think it'll. Restraint is a good is a good concept for Timotoki,
3: so the album is called um the great Divide is the fourth album they've done since like they first did their first album in two thousand and five so yeah it's been a it's been a couple of years it's been like four or five years since the last album,
4: yeah, and it's good that they took the time off this is the this is the best one they've done i think
3: i mean they they're they always pick good people to play with yeah i mean magnus Carlson um then you have Timotoki here, yeah, so it, it, I didn't really like the last, um, what's, what's his, i trying to think of Timo Toki's Avalon? new band. Avalon? Yeah.
4: I didn't like the new album. No, I, I thought it was just it was just kind un- of watered down. It was underproduced or yeah. something. I don't know what it was. On it was album. underwritten, underproduced, and I, the guest selection wasn't that inspiring nope. either. Yeah. I would agree when, on that when one. When you have Elise Reed from Amaranth doing a song that sounds just like an Amaranth song, it's not really pushing anything forward or doing anything interesting, you know?
3: But so we heard we heard a couple tracks from the new album. Uh, the one that I really wanted to uh, mention, it sounds just like Sabotage, Edge, edge of Thorns, from the um, yeah. <laughs> from the piano intro to to the guitar riffing, and it, it, it probably is just their tribute to the band, which is okay.
4: I think it's entirely
3: coincidental.
4: I don't think they're thinking about it. You don't think so? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, Edge of Thorns is a great album, but who sits there, who goes who's sitting there listening to Edge of Thorns? So. I am. That's what I was saying. It was like
2: because <laughs> we were listening to them side by side when we were preparing. sort of a forgotten album. And I I, I, I joked that it sounds like somebody like had it on a playlist that was playing in the background that yeah. they weren't paying attention to before they went to the the writing session or right. going to the studio, and they're like, "Hey, check this out!" and <laughs> they play it, and they're not even aware that it right,
3: could be. You could be right.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah,
2: maybe I've done that before. Like writing, writing music. Like you get together with the with the band, and everybody's like, "Okay, so who's got an idea?" And I'm like, "Well, I've got this thing." And we start playing it, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute!" I was listening to you know, whoever earlier today, right, yeah. and you know what this riff is? It's this. <laughs> you know, sorry, <laughs> you know, it happens. It definitely happens. So I don't. It's not out of the question. No. It, but uh, it, it it is kind of
4: funny. So. The last Yorn album wasn't that great either. Uh, but yeah. And it had the most ridiculous title of any album. Uh, was it? It was Bring Heavy Rock to the Land. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he didn't even like do the pun on his last name and like have it be the uh, man with the e. Just, yeah. He would just bring heavy rock to the land. It's like, come on.
3: He's a great vocalist, though.
4: Yeah. And
3: so with Russell Allen. And yeah. this is the point I want to bring up. Okay. I love Russell Allen in this band. And I love him in Symphony X. But... Do not like him in in what's see his
4: adrenaline mob, yeah, I don't like adrenaline mob either,
3: and I understand what it is it's not the same thing, but it's just dude, no,
4: they just, it just it's just sounds very generic it band. is yeah,
3: and it could have been so much more, you know,
4: yeah,
3: I mean there's one thing to do a heavy rock tribute right, you know, but do it the right way, yeah, but I do they did that uh, one um tribute album. It came out a couple of years ago, a year or so ago, and there was actually a lot of good tracks on it. Huh. So, I'll give him a little bit of credit. Yeah. So, Dave, since you're the guest on the show this evening, um, let's talk about what you've been listening to recently. What kind of, what's been in your playlist?
2: So, I am I am a across-the-board metal fan. I listened to... As we all are. I, and I can tell, I've known Sean for a couple of hours now, and I can <laughs> tell, you know, we're all kind of yep. on the same page, as far as I'm concerned, but... For the past like three weeks, I've been like everything I've listened to has been this this kind of trend that's going on right now. I guess for these kind of 60s, 70s, fuzzy uh, retro you know stoner doom rock metal bands, you know, bell bottom um, metal. Yeah, uh, that's like all I've been listening to. You know, I've been putting this like playlist together on my Spotify. It's got. The Sword, I think, fits into that group.
3: I would agree on that um, one, yeah.
2: The Sword is one I've listened to, then Electric Wizards on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But some of the more recent stuff, i am listening to Blood Ceremony, um, which is a really interesting band that, like, I heard one track from them. They have a new music video out, and I watched it. I was like, this is really bizarre and not what I'm used to listening to, because there's a flute prominently featured in, in their music, because the... the the front woman, she plays the flute, and right. it's like that's like the lead instrument of, that carries a lot of what the melody. Is this? this is Blood Ceremony.
4: Uh, I need okay. to check that out. That sounds
2: cool. And it sounds yeah, it's really and it's like this is kind of weird, but I love it, woodwind instruments and metal bands. It's so um, it. It sounds exactly like what you would expect out of the 1970s, like fuzzy, yeah. you know, this kind of bluesy so kind it's of not, stuff. it's not
4: like folk metal-y because of no, the... No, okay. it's not
2: folk metal. It's that bluesy 1970s sound, but yeah. and but I'm, I'm loving it. I, it. I think it's awesome. Um, so I've been listening to them. I've been listening to uh, Brimstone Coven has a new album out. I've been hearing about
3: them a lot recently.
2: That is cool, too. Um, it, that one is, is kind of more it's less melodic I guess it, not that it's not melodic because it clearly is but it's it's these like drones it's almost like chants where the they hit these kind of it's it's more about the the rhythm and the pacing in the vocal parts and the in okay. the the harmonies which I'm a sucker for vocal harmony. Oh, yeah. me and, too. And and, and guitar harmony. So yeah. harmonized guitars and harmonized vocals. I'm I'm sold. All right, you know? I'm at the watching that yeah. one too. So yeah, that that is really cool stuff. And yeah, they just kind of hit these drones, and it's all you know, all the the subject matter. It's all you know, summoning devils and yeah, yeah There uh, there's, uh, there's some Lovecraft stuff in there, which I'm a big Lovecraft fan. I'm Looking so, at the cover right now. Yeah. So you got three like devil ladies. And uh some bloody skulls and, uh, and they have no. like they're like holding a fiery tome of forbidden knowledge, no doubt. They that actually, always makes for yeah. a good evening, doesn't yeah. it?
4: Yeah. <laughs> they actually get really specific with the Lovecraft inform uh, references.
2: You know what? I feel like there was some that was like super like, yes, this is a this is a Lovecraft song. I'm gonna have to look at it again. Huh. But yeah, I think they do. Um I one that I picked to play is it's not Lovecraft, but I, I think that the mythos is kind of Lovecraftian. But they have a song called um, "Behold the Anunnaki," which, if you know anything about the Anunnaki and that whole kind of UFO mythology, it it kind of has a Lovecraftian huh. element to it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. I'm digging it. So yeah, I'm all like I'm all retro lately. So that's where I've been
3: Cool, let's uh, let everybody um, Put on their bell bottoms And mm-hmm. smoke some, you know Whatever you want And get back into the 70s here Some nice 70s grooves With Brimstone Coven <laughs> Here you go
2: that was Brimstone Coven, Behold the Anunnaki.
3: I beheld, and I didn't see anything still. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that is actually really cool, man. Yeah, I mean, that whole, that retro style is, it's it's super huge right now.
2: Yeah, I don't really know what happened, but it kind of came up, and I dig it, though. Yeah. I, I think it's cool, and I, I know a lot of people might argue that it's maybe not necessarily metal,
3: per se, some of it, but... I don't... I, I would disagree with that. Metal is I, I so, with it, so metal is such a, a huge um, genre. There's so mi- there's so much room for subgenres and subgenres of subgenres and it's just well, all we metal have the, to me.
4: uh, We have the ice cream analogy that uh, you know, <laughs> right? like like all metal is ice cream. There's just different flavors. We
3: did talk about that <laughs> last episode, so let's continue on that. <laughs>
4: So what did we say Hammerfall was? Was it was a Well we said Blind Guardian was mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip, that's what it was.
3: <laughs> so what flavor of ice cream is Brimstone Coven?
2: Um Brimstone Coven
3: is gonna be something
2: I don't know, something mild with, with maybe a little something sharp on the back end. What would that be? Maybe like a...
3: Something with like a... The ice cream... You know, with the ice cream cones built into
4: like a, it? Like a toffee almond or something maybe. like
3: that? Yeah, maybe.
4: The I love the ice cream analogy for men. It's really weird. I was
2: not expecting that at all. So. <laughs> but yeah, something, something kind of like that. It, it's smooth, but there's a little bit of... Uh, maybe a little bit of bitterness to it as well so.
3: so maybe some kind of like cappuccino
2: yeah it's probably more coffee to me than because i don't like toffee but i like coffee
4: so See, i'm the opposite i don't I love, like coffee i love toffee i love coffee flavored ice cream um now behemoth what flavor of ice cream are they they kind of be some sort of They're really like, dark like dark chocolate Beer, there's dark chocolate stout ice cream. Yeah, yeah, dark chocolate stout ice cream. If that is a thing, yes, no, I'm sure there it is a thing. <laughs> so there's
2: a uh, there's a, an ice cream that's a, a Kroger brand that is extreme moose tracks. Okay, it's chocolate ice cream with a dark chocolate fudge swirl in it. Oh yeah, with dark chocolate like candy cups in it. Wow, and it's. Okay, you know, (laughs) so that might be. Kroger has this.
3: Kroger also has this ice cream. It's it's a blueberry pomegranate dark chocolate. Okay, it's the best thing you would ever fucking eat, and it's it's actually not that bad, um, fat wise and calorie wise too. We're way off topic. We're, yeah, we're way off topic. Um, my, off.
2: Mine was to say that might be my behemoth analogy. Yeah. Was this uh, darker than dark? dark.
3: Apparently, well, uh, the, the country of Poland feels the same way. They have for a <laughs>
2: long time, too. Um, let's, so let's talk about what's happening
5: right
3: now. You know now. a little bit about the history of why Poland hates their own... <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. So, a recent article that was published um, on our parent website, metalinjection.net Polish Behemoth's concert canceled for political reasons. So, a planned show was supposed to be at uh, Poznań University of Medical Sciences in Poland. It was canceled after the band received a letter from the promoter of the tour stating that the show would be canceled due to concern for the safety of students and campus workers. They responded by calling the. Uh, Cancellation, a political decision. This is quoted this is a quote from the band. We have no doubt it is a political decision. It's not the first clamp down on national artist. Poznan, instead of being a free culture center, begins to resemble Russia. Put calling two people out in the same yeah, same yeah, article. Because
2: if you weren't aware, uh Russia had problems with Russia earlier this That's year.
3: That's right. And then it Disney too, didn't they? There's many bands that have not been able to play That's, Disney. Yeah, I
2: wouldn't really call that you know unique to Behemoth by any means. No, no, but, I know it's not. And it's not uh, to clarify, we're not talking about metal bands playing like at. The Magic Kingdom or anything like that.
3: It's the House of Blues on Disney property.
2: Because House of Blues hosts a lot of metal shows, especially here in Houston. A lot of metal shows come through House of Blues. But yeah, there is a House of Blues on Disney property. Both coasts too. Uh,
3: Disneyland and Disney World. Okay, I didn't know there was one on
2: the West Coast as well. I knew that there was one on the East Coast. And a
3: lot of the problems are are at the Disneyland one. Okay. Yeah, which is weird, but we're we're going way off topic. Okay. So I I just called... um, Disney, Disney, or the House of Blues, Disneyland, like Russia for banning metal bands. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's not just. So they, they, you know, I guess Russia, they, they banned Cannibal Court from playing this tour, and they also did the to Marilyn Manson, which it's. I can understand that. It's the imagery of it's probably what they don't want. Yeah. And I think that it has a lot to do with it.
2: Of course it does. And that and that's. It scares them. Yeah. Um,. Because these are still very um, countries that, at least on on the books, at the very least, are still very religious countries that that it that it's actually built into the legal structure.
3: In of- some of the like, okay, I, I'm not the most politically bra. I don't know everything about everything, but Russia has not been that much of a free country for that long.
2: Yeah, Russia, I. Russia's got issues for sure, <laughs> but I do know that um, uh the uh, the Russian Orthodox Church yep. has a major influence on what happens.
3: In, you're in you're putting me
4: on, right? Shut they're up. <laughs> Russia is a deeply like a quietly but deeply religious society. Yeah, and it's not on the surface. It's just it's just there. Mm-hmm. They're also a very like broadly a uh, homophobic society. So yeah. I mean, there's well, and Putin's been very open about that recently yeah.
3: as well. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a very weird thing for me because my heritage is, my family is Polish and Russian. So I I don't feel any affinity to what's going on there, but...
4: Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though. I mean, Poland, like, what we were talking about during the song was uh, how they're giving Behemoth exactly what they want. Yes. By, yeah, they are. By... by canceling their shows and isolating them and putting this in the press they're yeah. just making them more of an appealing band bad press
3: is better than good press
4: yeah I mean in this in this situation it, it almost is because it's making if you ban something you just make everyone want it, no matter no matter how no matter <laughs> yeah. how jaded anyone yeah. is if you ban something you just want it more you want it more
2: the, it's the same. it was the PMRC in the 80s yes. yeah. it was the Marilyn Manson protests in the 90s It it's all of that It. It's exactly what they want,
4: and this you know? is—it's—it's. It's, well, it, what's even crazier is that he, this is a guy who's been on their version of American Idol as a judge yeah. for you know like a, a while now,
2: which is another kind of odd thing of, about Europe that's very different from here in the U.S. Right? Where, like no one of any prominence in in ma- in mass media or or pop culture would wants to admit to having anything to do with heavy metal music. Right. But then you go to Europe and I remember um Enslaved was in the US one time and they had like diplomats from Norway yeah, I remember came that. to their show. Yeah. It's like that would never ever happen no. yeah. the other way around. No, it would not. Um and so so yes, uh, uh Nurgle or or Adam, he's he is a prominent figure in, in pop culture over there. But he has a history with the government of Poland, yeah. um, and he has uh, you know uh, blasphemy charges on his record with them. And uh, I, I, I don't think he's been fighting them for a long time. And I think they finally decided to just let it go. So and nothing's going to happen as a result, yeah. except he's going to continue to deal with this stuff. Th- this is yeah.
4: a net win for Behemoth, though. I mean, in general, it just
2: yeah. Yeah. It sucks for the fans who wanted to go to that show for sure.
4: Ah, yeah, but you're in but Poland. You can go to the next country over, take the Eurorail, whatever. True. It's a lot easier when you're in
3: Europe. So we're, since we're still on the topic of bad press being some kind of good press, let's talk about this brand new scandal that's just going on this week with Mastodon. The twerking scandal, <laughs> as it's being, being called... It's so weird. We, I, don't,
2: I don't even know what to make of it. Okay, so
3: I, we just watched the video. The video was for a song. Um, I can't even think of the name of the song. It's The mother load. Um It's a weird fucking video, number one. It starts off very Cradle of Filth-like. Yeah. You know, dark, deep sepia tones and this weird imagery. Kind of, of like, an Eastern
2: occult kind of. Occultish, yeah. yeah.
3: Very... And then all of a sudden, there's this weird juxtaposition of some girls twerking on screen. And then it turns into a twerk off at the end.
2: Yeah. And it's a completely different video on the other end. It stops being this, you know, this traditional kind of more traditional kind of gothic heavy metal video. And it turns into a rap, hip hop video. Exactly. And
3: I know exactly where they're going. On what they're doing on the video, it's you think about it, and it's actually they're just making a statement of why you know. It, it's sort of funny if you think about it. And they've—why do we have to be so fucking heavy metal?
2: Yes, and they—that's what they've kind of said in response to all this—is like, why is everybody taking this so seriously? To the people who are upset about it, why you know? so
4: serious? Yeah, and like, as, as the Joker said, well, you know what? I, I call bullshit on that a little bit because I think that Mastodon knows exactly what they're oh, doing. Sure. I think no. they're shrewd people in that band. Sure. I think they have shrewd management. When you make a video like this and it pisses people off, everyone talks about it and that you got exactly what you want from this music video. A video true. that normally yeah, would have true. been ignored and just like, oh, it's on YouTube. It's just another music video. So if video. it had been another regular music video. If the first yeah. third
2: of the video was the entire video, no one would have cared. No.
3: Yeah. The big, oh, it's a cool it. video. It's neat. It's neat. Mm-hmm. We would but never be talking about it. But it's not, any,
2: but it's not anything I, that I we haven't seen before. Yeah. No. At the, you know, so.
4: If people are getting upset about it, you're just giving Mastodon what they want, and you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot publicity. of publicity,
3: right? And I mean, you know, people have been calling it sexist and all this kind of stuff, but like you said, rap video has been doing this shit for years, yeah, and nobody ever calls them out. But
4: good, it's a heavy metal band, good for Mastodon,
3: and, I, 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 good on them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with them on this. I think we, I think you can't say too much about that
2: aspect of it without getting into some really. Uh, iffy territory. No.
3: <laughs> so I will leave it at that. So yeah, no. that's that's our conversation about twerking for the evening. Now, what color, uh, what flavor of ice cream would twerking be? Okay. Like, like confetti or
4: something. Oh, uh. <laughs> birthday cake. Like birthday cake ice cream.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't even want to know what kind of frosting is on there. No. <laughs> so, wow. Um, let's play some more music. All right. What did you want to play next? We have a couple more tracks to go through for this evening. Let's play something you brought to the table, Sean.
4: Uh, there's a um, band out of Minnesota, um, unsigned. They might be signed to like a regional distribution deal, but th- I know that they're not with any major metal label, and they're called Noble Beast. Uh, they're an American power metal band that is... Basically reinterpreting European power metal influences like Blind Guardian, oh yeah, Iron Saber, uh Falconer, Halloween, Halloween. It's um, it's
3: definitely from the from what you heard. It's very traditional, yeah, European power metal, which
4: I love. But the vocalist, uh, this guy's name is uh, Rob Rob Jalanson, I, I think, and it, he's got a really unique voice. It's a very, it's not, it's like a it's like a baritone, but he's not as low as Joachim Broden mm-hmm. from Sabaton. He's he's very much in the middle between. You know, yoke him and say, like, a little bit of, like, Iron Savior's... Piet. Piet. Okay, so
3: you mentioned, when we were listening to it earlier, you said it. it's a very... He has a very unique vocal style. Yeah. And you mentioned Sabaton, you mentioned Piet. So and, and the first of, time they yeah. ever heard those bands, I was like, I don't know if I like these vocals at all. Right, yeah. But now, Sabaton is one of my top favorite bands yeah. of all time. So there's something to be said about unique vocalist that sort of takes you a while to gravitate to. Yeah, because it's not oh okay it's he sounds good. You sort of it grows on you, you know.
4: Here's the thing, the thing about Noble Beast is uh, a, a reader of mine recommended them to me way back early in the year, and I just got around to listening to them. Flacker. And they I know <laughs> and they uh they're, they're they sound like they should be on their fourth <clears throat> album. They're so developed songwriting wise maturity wise the production. The, the production is amazing the on drums album. on
3: this album sound fucking phenomenal yeah
4: it, it just it sounds like this band is signed to a major you know uh, metal indie label and they're they're like midway in their career that's how good this album sounds and they, the songwriting are, is so mature already they
3: are indeed a noble beast
4: yeah they're yeah and and so no one knows about i mean no no one really knows about these guys i saw their page on facebook they have like a thousand likes and so i wrote a review on the mine just trying to get the word out like anyone i can find to throw this at them like here yeah let's let everybody hear guys. it and maybe
3: yeah. you know we like to to play you know bands that are well known but also lesser known bands like this and try to get them some play you know where else is, i mean this is what we're here for you know what i mean
4: yeah if you want to listen to the entire album they have a band camp just type noble beast Bandcamp google it'll pop right up and you can listen to the entire album i bought it for eight dollars as a download um and if yeah if you like it you know, buy it support yeah definitely
3: <laughs> support metal man it's,
4: all the money's going directly towards them
3: so <laughs> right maybe they'll make another album yeah So let's check out um, the song, it's called Ironclad Heroes. What is the name of the album?
4: Uh, It's self titled. It's just Noble Beast.
3: That's very presumptuous of them. (laughs) Yeah. Here you go Noble Beast. return to the show from the noble beast it's such a majestic creature
4: ironclad heroes that was the song i i love that song i, I just go go to their bandcamp listen to the album and and just give it a shot those guys there's not a dud on that entire album and every song has like a unique it, nothing runs together. Every song is unique, and, and the songwriting is is really great. I'm not sure who's the songwriter in the band, whether it's the guitarist or the vocalist or what's going on, but um, information on them is really light, and these guys, I, I looked up their, their history on Metal yeah. Archives, and the only bands they've ever been in have been local St. Paul, right. M- Minnesota bands, so I don't know anything about these guys, so... Um, well,
3: thanks for uh, turning me on to them, man. Yeah, you always gonna, bring something new to the table. I'm going to
4: throw this episode towards them and see if they, you know, respond, and maybe we can, maybe we can do an interview with them or something yeah, like that. That'd, that'd be cool. cool.
3: Yeah, we love to support, man. So yeah, um, good on Noble Noblebees. Check them out. Like you said, Bandcamp and all them places on the internet. Yep. Let's, let's spread the word. So, um, you know, something that's you know been happening, I guess, a little bit more recently. Since we're getting older, these guys and bands are getting older. They're starting to um, write their life stories a little bit. The first one I ever really read was I read the Marilyn Manson book a long time ago. Hmm. That was an interesting read. Never been a huge fan, but it was it was a good read. he's, yeah. an,
2: he's an interesting character. Yes, it's uh, his as far as his his music goes. It's kind of hit or miss for yeah, me. Yeah, As a as a creative person, fascinating guy.
3: Yeah, I mean Marilyn. Brian it was a Brian Warner? Yeah. He's a he's a shrewd business guy. Yeah, he is. He's he's created he's basically just created a character based on Willy Wonka. Yeah. Hmm. Just from the weirdness from that movie, you know.
2: Which Well they did that that video that yeah. was blatantly that yeah. Which is,
3: which this is a little off topic before we go into this, you know, talking about the book thing. Is I'm a huge fan of the band Primus and they have an album coming out this month which is reinterpreted songs based on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory.
2: That sounds just right cool. for Primus. It's, yeah.
3: it's pretty fucking amazing. That sounds fantastic. Check it out. I know no, there's, tr- there's a track right now on Spotify to listen to. And, yeah, I'm waiting, I can't wait to hear the whole album. It's, yeah, okay.
2: So Manson Going, wrote a biography <laughs> called what, The Long Hard Road Out of Hell. Yeah, and, that's yeah. right.
3: Um, you know, Motley Crue has done it, but... Um, I read the Dave Mustaine book. I read that one. It was actually, it was very interesting. And I just picked up, um, Dave Elveston wrote a book and talks about his road out of being um, a, a drug head. And I guess he um, has found religion, God, whatever you want to do. And that's where he's at now. But I, I do want to read the book. It's very interesting to me. Um, and Scott Eden has a book coming out next next week or so mm-hmm. that i'm definitely interested in cuz you know i'm a definite anthrax nerd
2: i, I i'm kind of the uh, on the different side from you I, I i don't listen to a lot of anthrax um of the of the big 4 yeah. they're definitely my least favorite and okay, get out. i i was afraid <laughs> okay. i was no, no, i no, knew no. that You're was good. coming You're i good. knew that was coming but uh, at all the same i would not want a world without anthrax no all the you know all things considered uh, i I, they're, I think they're they're great guys and i'm glad that they're there scott they're ian doing. is scott ve- ian is such a important character yeah. in the history of heavy metal he's a character that's what
3: he is yeah uh i just listened to uh the nerdist podcast yeah. the second uh interview they did with him very interesting he's great he, stories great stories yeah he's a big like comic comedian nerd yeah. he loves comedians and stuff like that and it's a cool story. I mean, it's it, he doesn't really. They don't talk about metal at all. It's just interesting to listen to somebody that you've only seen from this world being a metalhead, metal musician, and have them being in a different world. You know, it's very interesting. That's what I we've done that on the Metal Geeks podcast. Just have people come on and not really talk about their bands that much, but let's talk about other shit that you're into. Mm-hmm. What what do you geek out about? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've had like Matt Harvey from Exhumed fucking wrote this amazing article for us about the how, how Marvel's kicking DC's ass in the movies. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 super. It's really cool. <clears throat> yeah,
4: that, I read a book recently um, by uh, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. Yes, his, his biography, his autobiography that he wrote, and like a good chunk of the book is actually just devoted to him. His like you know, he was so uh, caught up in alcoholism and oh, really? everything that he went to the hospital. His pancreas burst, and oh, wow. he was about to die. And, and the the bulk of the book, like the majority of the pages, are devoted to his point from recovery to like you know, where he is now. Like like that journey. And most of it's about like cycling, like bicycling. That's really? what he used to get better. Wow. And kick the habit and everything. The,
3: like everybody's got to have something.
4: And it's like, and you expect it to be this like debauched tale from Guns N' Roses, but he's more lucid. He remembers more than Slash did in his biography. <laughs> so all the details that Slash kind of forgot, Duff goes back and fills in. And oh, like, wow. it's, it's, if you're a Guns N' Roses, if you like that whole, you know, aura about that band, yeah, yeah. Good books to read. Yeah.
3: So would you agree with me? Uh, 20 years ago, this would have never happened. Bands. Guys in heavy metal bands would have never opened up like they are now. They would have never, you know, they would never stepped out of that shell and say and let people know who the real person is. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I can't think of what the first metal based book was. I think it it actually might have been Maiden did one in 1999 that was like an official biography written by Mick Wall. Yes, I have that. And they uh, updated Infinite Dreams. Run to the Hills, I think it was called. Was it? Infinite Dreams is another one done by okay. some other guy who was, was unauthorized, um, but which, I have that one too, and which it's not, usually it's not as good. Um, but I can't think of the first metal biography. That's I, I can't. It, may, it might just be Marilyn Manson. Maybe came out in like the like the late nineties, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Or the was it that long ago? Yeah, something like that. It was a, it's an old I'm pretty, book. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's right. The first. This is this, give away my metal card here again. <laughs> But the first rock biography I ever read, and still one of the best overall books I've ever read, was written by this journalist named Bill Flanagan, who went on the road with U2 on their Octum Baby tour in 1991. Okay. And it's, it's, he's such a good journalist and such a good writer. And it's a, it's a look at this mega, rich, super successful tour, and he's just a part of it, like every date Reminds me of that um, the craziness that goes around this almost famous movie. Yeah, it's it's like that, but on a super scale. Like they're traveling in like private jets everywhere, and it's it's interesting to see behind that. Like I just like rock biographies in general, so um, whether it's metal related or not, you know.
3: But uh, I brought up that point about metal, you know, metal musician sort of opening up because Scott Ian mentioned on that Nerdist episode. It's like, you know, twenty years ago, nobody would have ever done this. And he's like, and he's not going to call anybody out because he mentioned, oh, Carrie King loved Kitty cats or whatever. But
4: yeah, he was talking about the, Im- like the, 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 <laughs> the talking, image. They were talking yeah. about the image, like because because uh, Jonah Ray was asking him. He's like, you know, are these right. black metal guys really serious? He's like, well, some of them are, some of them yeah. aren't. And you know, like, uh, well, and
2: and and how how serious? Because it's still a performance, right? You know, but it's coming from somewhere. It's yeah. you know,
3: people yeah. can't expect you know, like taking people that are more. In the mainstream portion of like rock and metal. So, Marilyn Manson, people don't expect him to be Marilyn Manson when he's not on stage, when he's not in front of a, um, a signing group or on stage or in front of fans. He's just, it's probably his normal self. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same with Rob Zombie
4: and all those type of people. Take uh, Fenris from Throne, for yeah. example. They were one of the most mystique laden bands before say 2006 like the cult is alive and that kind of era yeah and then all of a sudden they started getting media attention and like finally he they started doing interviews and then the 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 until the light takes this documentary came out and then fenris (laughs) was the most engaging humor humor filled guy on that that film yeah and you really loved him after that and and then he became huge i love this dude and then and like he would be and then he's for the last album, for example, they did 108 interviews for that album. It was all Fenris, pretty much. Really, and so he's done so many interviews. Now he's, he he recently did a, a, a nature show that he hosted, co-hosted for Norwegian national television. He's basically a celebrity there, and the all, the mystique around Dark Throne is gone. Now they're just these two old crusty punks.
3: Do you think that affects the band?
4: No, I think I still like their music, but they're no—they they definitely know they can't go back to the, any type of black metal, or nor nor would they want to. No. But they're just like a crust punk, blackened crust punk band now, and that fits their current image as opposed to you know pre two thousand six two thousand five when they were just still kind of like that band that never gave interviews. That band was always a sort of like. Uh, the legendary Dark Throne, these these Myster- rec- these the mysteries, yeah. yeah.
3: So yeah. I think
2: that there's maybe there's a couple things that go into that, and um, one, um, if you think back to major rock stars and you know the butt rock heavy metal stuff in the '80s, and, and these where bands became very um, high profile.
3: Really fast,
2: very quickly, yeah, there is the there is a um mystique that surrounds that entire phenomenon, and everyone wants it to be real, yeah, okay, and so you have an expectation um i I think the that the general public has an expectation that the people you see performing this is who they are, right. yeah, okay,
3: it's been like that forever though
2: and yes and it has been and, and but i and i think that that's important that that you have that that aspect of it that you want these people this is who these people are you want that to be true in heavy metal specifically i think that something that we find a lot is uh heavy metal is not the cool kids in school right heavy metal is the the people on the outside it's the people who you know, were either picked on or were yeah. the, the weird artsy ones or or whatever. Typically, that's of course not universally true, and I don't mean to imply that it is. But typically, most people I've known, metal was a useful tool in escape. growing up. Yeah. Okay, so it's a, it. Metal is often accused of being escapist as as a way to um, dismiss it, but I don't think that it's mere escapism. No. Metal is is escapism, but it's useful. Can I? It serves
3: I, a function. I'm gonna go do a callback here to earlier in the episode. Is it the soundtrack to your escape?
4: Mm. Mm.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I, I I see what you mean. It's it's escapism, but it's it's also um, it's. I think it's very functional music. Like sometimes I I find myself reliant on metal just for sheer motivation. Sometimes. Ab- no, you know?
2: absolutely. And, so. and and but in that, but that's my point is it's not mere escapism. Yeah, it's not it's not fantasy or horror for the sake of that. It has right. relevance well, on yeah. on what yeah. how you experience life and how you get through things. Part, part and, of the
4: way I've, I've always interpreted power metal, and the, you know people make fun of power metal because <laughs> oh fantasy themes and yeah. fantasy lyrics, but those those themes and those lyrics are just a way to sort of aggregate your real life into some sort of meaningful you know view through that music it, it's it's sort of like putting it into perspective like if if there's a song talking about conquering your enemies and conquering your fears or whatever in, in power metal it's very applicable to your real life it's not literal right we're never going to be
3: a templar and then slaying the dragon or a whatever or
4: steel but you you can internalize that music to mean something to you you know
2: sure and and so i think that you have these two things combined to kind of Things back around in heavy metal music, you have the, the fantasy element that uh, the, the uh, that is such a motivation for so much of it. Plus, you have this general expectation that what you see is who these people are. Yeah, and so um, you, what happens when you enter a post-internet world where yeah. those barriers come down? Well, where that's where we're at now. That's what I'm. That's my point. Yeah, and that's why. Scott Ian couldn't have done this twenty years ago. Right, right. But yeah. can now. Because everyone is now starting to understand this is all just a show. Yeah, you well, know? yeah there's and an awareness, yeah. Yeah. There I think that I think that in general the the internet has been such an equalizer that it has it's kind of Pulled back the veil behind so much of the entertainment industry.
3: It yeah. definitely has, it's, and it's it's opening the uh, the curtain to see the it the all Yeah,
2: it is, and I think because of that, you've got all these people who are like, yeah, so I walk the dog in the afternoon, sure,
4: yeah. Part, well, I mean, I mean, part just, of my you know, yeah. it's, it's like it's like relating back to you know metal geek stuff, uh, movies. It, just because you know the casting process of a movie doesn't right. mean you're not going to be able to enjoy the movie when it comes out. You know, it's.
3: Exactly. Seeing the machi-
4: you can separate the art from the from the machination and the the, the, the business behind, behind it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly.
3: Yeah. So, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up in a yep. nice little uh, heavy metal bow. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We're going to we're going to play one more song before uh, we go for the evening, but um, thanks for tuning in to episode 158 of the MSR cast metal podcast. Thank you to my co-host over here, Mr. Metal Pigeon. Well, thank you. And taking to you too, from my uh, co-host from the Metal Geeks podcast, Mister Geekazoid.
4: That's me.
2: So glad to be here. Uh, I'm really glad I was able to do this.
3: We're gonna um, definitely have you on more shows, man. This please, was, it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, please do. I want to come back and 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 talk about why metal is important. It is important, man. <laughs> yeah.
3: Let's let's prove that point. You know what else is important? No. Well, Letting people know where <laughs> to find us on the internet. <laughs>
2: No, metal's about it. Metal's <laughs> all the important things. So,
3: so, like we talked about earlier, you can find us on metalinjection.net. Um, you can find us under the podcast section. We're put out. we trying to put out episodes a couple times a month now. Um, you can find us as well at, you can go to msrcast.com, which will lead you to our main website, which is metalgeeks.net, where you're going to find both of our podcasts, Metal Geeks and MSRcast, you can find us on iTunes. Look for um, You can actually look for us a couple ways now. You can look for us under Metal Geeks Podcast, or you can look for us under MSRcast, which will bring you to the Metal Injection feed, or you can just look for Metal Injection Podcast, and you'll find us there as well. There's three ways to subscribe to us on iTunes. That's pretty cool.
4: Yeah.
3: So subscribe to all, to all three if you want, but at leave least, us... A, at least a one. <laughs> at least a one, yeah. Subscribe to us, leave us a review, um, all that good stuff. You can uh, tweet us at MSRcast as well as find us on Instagram and Facebook. And you can find Sean, where can they find you?
4: Uh, at The Metal Pigeon um, on Twitter and Facebook.
3: And?
2: Uh, you can find me on uh, all of the things, mostly Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but I'm on Tumblr and Pinterest
3: and stuff as well. At I love Geekazoid. I love Geekazoid. So let's get into our last track of the evening. It's from um, this is their full, full their first full length album. They put an EP out last year, and I did an interview with these guys for the the podcast here. And of course, I'm talking about Black Crown Initiate. Um, the song we're gonna play is called A Great Mistake. Um, it's man okay. If you are a fan of like between the buried and me between the buried and me, but you don't like all the the metalcore aspect of it you're going to dig the hell out of black crown initiate um i love this band man um they're very it's progressive death metal but they go into all these different styles and they're touring their asses off right now so it's it's really really cool yeah, saw them earlier this year that's open, right
2: open for uh they were the odd ones out for sure it was 1349 inquisition and behemoth yep and uh, they opened that show and they definitely were Maybe not necessarily a snug fit on that bill, but they did a good show. They they were good. I was impressed.
3: Yeah, you can find them, uh, let's see, go to blackcrowninitiate.bandcamp.com. You can find their their four-song EP that came out last year. It's like three bucks to purchase that album. And go be, pick up the new album. It's uh, called The Wreckage of Stars, and it's just coming out, uh, I think, as of last week. Uh, we're going to end you with the song a great mistake and as always guess what keep it metal keep it metal
2: oh me keepin keep it metal <laughs> sorry Thanks for listening to another fine podcast, brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MSRCast.com.
0: Metal or die! Let's get to metal all, all the time!
5: Yeah!